Scott with SJ, Wildfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. Brother Larry is here to build upon our resources, and that's exactly what you're doing. You're probably saying, Brother Larry... When are we going to get to the part about Satan, about his wiles and his tactics? And when are you going to tell your, tell your little stories about Satan coming to you? Well, though in time, if you'll be patient, in time that is coming. Remember I, what I said um, a couple messages ago? It was quoted by C.S. Lewis. It says... One of the issues we have when we study demonology and Satanism is that we either ignore it, which I will not do, or we either go to extreme and it's all about Satan. I am not all about Satan. I am all about what Christ has provided for us, what resources he has given us to fight the enemy, to, to do battle with Satan, who so opposes Christ and his church. And this is what we're doing. I am doing, I'm building block upon block of resources. And those resources, if you really check minutely in the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, what I'm talking about, you're going to see that in the spiritual armor. So I'm trying to build something. These are not, I hate to make this academic, you know, just do this and that and this and that, and you'll be safe. It's not an academic thing. It's a walk by faith, and our faith wavers at times. We do sin as believers. We're not sinless perfection. We do allow the enemy to influence us at times, but we want this less and less to happen. Therefore, we need to know God. Now, we know him because when we receive Christ as their Savior, that knowledge began. But as I said earlier in messages, we're not to stay there. We're not to stay in our immaturity. We must move on. We must have a daily walk. We must put one step in front of the other. And when we walk, we can begin to move a little faster. We may be able to run, and then we may be able to fly later on in our Christian life. Because we built upon these things, we built upon these resources in our Christian life. So that's what I'm attempting to do. And I'm sorry if I'm repetitious. I mean to do that by design. Because as being a high school teacher, repetition was one of my best methods. If somebody hears something over and over, they'll get it into their mind. And by the way, this is, uh, that's the way that... Uh, Error comes also, but we know what the truth is because Jesus Christ, the authority of the scriptures, give us that firm foundation to stand on. 
Jesus Christ will not lie to you. God will not lie to you. He's the truth. So what we're doing, we're, we're building blocks. We're building upon what God has promised. We're building that building that God talked about in Ephesians. Block upon block. So that we can be a fortress against the onslaughts of Satan. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So, believers, let us not leave ourselves an open target by trying to stand on our own. And that's where I ended last week's message. You cannot stand alone. My brethren, as a church, be strong in the Lord. Now, what does it mean or how does one become strong in the Lord? These are the things we're talking about. We're talking about these building blocks. We're building spiritual muscle in order to, to wrestle. And that's what Ephesians 6 talks about, too. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the indirect inference is we are wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places, about the enemy, about spiritual battle. So how does one become strong in the Lord? We just pick, do we just pick up our armor? When the devil comes to call, no, you have to prepare yourself, and that's exactly what we're doing. We're re preparing ourselves before the evil day comes, and the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, and uh, 10 through 17, talking about that evil day that will come when it comes to call. There was a period of time when I was a young recruit in the Marine Corps. I didn't know all my gear that they gave me, my armor. And for me to put it on and without knowing how to use it or how what its purpose was absolutely silly, and I had to be taught on, these, on this gear. And I say, this is the same way you look at our resources. I need to gain experience in how to utilize these things in combat, and so do we in our combat, in our spiritual warfare. I had to become strong physically in the Marine Corps, and I had to be strong mentally. And this first starts in our Christian life by knowing our position in the battle. We are to be strong, and it says the next phrase, in the Lord. And that's so important. It's a phrase that Paul uses 27 times in the book of Ephesians, but he also uses it throughout his own letters, or the synonyms, in Christ, in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be in the Lord? Well, it means this. God has secured my, and he secured your salvation, if you are in Christ. Larry, Pastor Larry, or Brother Larry, do you believe you can lose your salvation? I know that question's going to come up. And I can't get into it, into, into it in detail now, but I'm going to just say flat out, I believe you cannot lose it. 
And I'm going to take a couple messages to explain why, but they're not going to be today and they're not going to be tomorrow. Because one of the tactics that the enemy uses is to make you believe that today God doesn't love you. That you can lose your own soul as a Christian. And I, like I said, I do want to tackle that, but I'm not going to do it in, in the next few weeks. But just be assured that you are in Jesus Christ. This is what's called in theological terms, and don't let it scare you, positional sanctification. God had sanctification. Sanctification means set apart. That's what the Greek term means. So God has put you in Christ. He set you apart in the heavenlies. When God looks at you, because of Christ, what Christ did for you, forgiving your sins, he has declared you, this is a legal term, he has declared you justified. He has declared you righteous. So when he looks at anybody that's, that's been saved, that's a Christian, he sees his own son, Jesus Christ. Because he paid that debt, that debt that we owe God because of our sin. So let this bless you. Don't let it confuse you, please. This is a building block for our battle in the spiritual realm. That we are in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. See, you're in the Lord. Let that little phrase, strong in the Lord, sink into your heart. So God has secured my salvation. This should motivate me to, because of what he's done. I'm in Christ. You are in Christ. Your blessings come from God. Listen to Ephesians 1, verse 3. And by the way, please turn there. It's a lot easier for you if you turn in your Bibles. If you have a copy of the Scriptures with you. If you have your sword by your side. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Te Ephesians 1 verse 3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, with all heavenly spiritual blessings, in heavenly places, in Christ. Notice that our blessings are in the spiritual realm, and I have mentioned this before. God does bless us physically, but our blessings are in the spiritual realm. We have spiritual blessings. Like I said before, Israel's blessings were in mainly physical, a land, enjoyment of the land, good health, protection from a physical enemy. So we must think spiritually because when we're born again, we're made alive spiritually. Well, we were born physically, 
But the way to be spiritual is to be born that way, and not everyone is born spiritual. And I'd like to illustrate this for you uh, listening and think that everyone's a Christian. Well, Jesus was talking to a religious man by the name of Nicodemus one time, and this man named Nicodemus came to Jesus under the cloak of darkness because he was afraid of what others might say. He was a Pharisee. He was a religious person. He was a teacher in Israel. And, you know, he, he heard of Jesus and heard him speak, and he was curious. And he wanted to know who Jesus was, so Jesus answered Nicodemus when he came to him with this statement. And you can read it in John chapter 3, verse 3, where it says, Truly, truly, and I say here's this double statement, which means it's for emphasis. This is important. Truly, truly, King James says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and you might say, well, that's very narrow-minded, Brother Larry. That's very narrow-minded to say that I have to be born again in order to go to the kingdom of God, in order to go to heaven. Well, as you read on, notice that statement that, uh, and Jesus will discuss this, but I just want to, in passing, say this. How did you get here physically? We were all born, right? We are all born by a mom. We all got here one way. So in order to get to God's kingdom, there's one way. So be not surprised. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says unto Jesus, how can a man be born when he is old? And can he enter into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, which he's talking in the context, physically, one way physically, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must not if you want to, not if you feel like it, not if, see, a lot of people have the idea that, well, if I don't believe that, it, God doesn't hold me responsible for it. No, 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 that's not the way. You're responsible for it. You heard it, now you're responsible for it. You must, and Jesus emphasized that a few times, you must be born again. Three times Jesus told Nicodemus that he must be born of the Spirit to enter God's kingdom. Now, to fortify what's being said, this is how one gets in Christ. This is why I'm reading this. To be in Christ, this is what must be done. You must be born again. 
and that comes to the passage that is always quoted one of the most beloved verses in the Bible which speaks of in that same context in that same chapter it says this John chapter 3 how is one born again It says in verse 15, John chapter 3, that this is not my opinion, by the way, this is scripture, that whosoever believes in him, that's Jesus Christ, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, through the, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. But listen to the next passage, please. But he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Yes, there is a term calling being saved. You're saved by putting your trust, because that's the biblical term of belief. Belief is just not a mental assent. Oh, yeah, I believe in God, and you go your own way. No, no, no. Biblical believing is that you've turned to him from your sin. You've repented, and you turn toward Christ, and you receive him, as a forgiver of your sins. Very plain. But just to reinforce that, there's a lengthy passage back in Ephesians. And you have to listen to the Apostle Paul. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, and I think I've read this before, but I'm going to read it again. Remember, I'm a man who likes repetition. Paul says... And you, he's speaking to the Ephesian church, as he made alive. King James says, quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked, according, a dead man walking, by the way, according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. That's Satan, my friend. Um, among whom also we all had our behavior in times past in the lusts of our flesh, that's Satan's ally, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now he's talking to the Corinthians or the Ephesian believers here. Who they're all sinners. The difference between some of us is the fact that we recognize that we needed a savior, and the offer still goes to those who have not. We fulfilled the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God I like that term, but God. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love by which he loved us, 
even when we were dead in our sins. He has made us alive. There's a born again. Together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and he has raised us up together and, he, and has seated us together, that's being in Christ, in heavenly places, positional sanctification. Next phrase, in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Wow. Hallelujah. Let that bless you, brothers and sisters. In verse 8, and we're going to end with this one. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and you and it's not of works. You can't work your way into heaven, my friends. Because you could boast about it, and God's not going to let you boast because salvation is all, and as we're going to see in Ephesians 1, it's all and totally of God. He wakes the dead up when his spirit comes to them. Brothers and sisters, we are in Christ. We have the greatest hedge about us that we can have. Rest in that. That gives you peace, does it not? It sure does me. And Satan can't take that away. There's no power on earth that can take that away. You can't take it away, and I can't take it away. We are born spiritually when we receive Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. See you next week.